Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. James. How you doing, Steve? He always says hi to me with his eyes, and I have to I remind do. him we're on a podcast so no yeah. one can hear that. And we have <laughs> someone joining us for the intro. Well, hello. Hello. So this is uh, Jaron, the general. He's, he, uh, he actually runs Unashamed Unafraid. He will tell you that he doesn't, and he acts all humble about it. But I know who he really is, and we watch what he's doing, and he is the one who marshals all of our forces and makes it happen. And I want you to introduce this banger of an episode. Tell us about John from Arizona. I have the honor of introducing the rock star that is known as John, huh? Yes, in about 30 seconds. Okay, 30 seconds. I first met this guy at uh, Warrior Heart Boot Camp. sat in a chair looking off into the vista. He was next to me. He complimented me on my haircut. They're both bald, by the way. Beautifully bald. Beautifully bald. I'm going to be right there in like two seconds. Well... You know, I was there, (laughs) denier. (laughs) And uh, I was super intimidated by him, but he started talking to me and he spoke truth and spoke love and our souls connected, man. And what was intimidating about him? I I just think that he has this, (laughs) he's sitting right here. (laughs) He has this tough exterior. Like he looks... Like he's kind of bad he, A, you know? Like, like, like he, he's from cell block D? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. he looks like he'd kick your ass. Right, there we go. <laughs> and and uh, and that was super intimidating for me. But as soon as we started chatting and we started talking, the guy, man, I, I saw his heart. And he uh, is... I don't, I don't think anybody's ever gotten emotional in an intro, have they? <laughs> but he's, he changed my life. He just connected with me and connected with my soul in a way that I, I just have, I've, I've always known him. Our souls have always known each other and he changed my life. I am sitting here right now and I'm a part of Unashamed Unafraid really because of John. 100%. James, you will meet men in positions of authority and... You will just meet men with authority. And John is one of those guys that just battles hard fought and won has authority. So if you wanted to listen to someone doesn't have a best selling book, doesn't have a podcast, but if you want to listen to someone who has with authority with authority about recovery, listen to this. And if you want to join us and be part of this movement, we invite you to go to unashamedandafraid.com slash donate. Um, we are a 501c3 nonprofit, so all of your money goes to scholarships. And if you're in need of a scholarship, go to unashamedandafraid.com slash scholarships. Follow us on social media at unashamedandafraid. We'd love to hear from you. And with that, we will get in the studio with John. John, how are you enjoying the snow? <laughs> I'm not so far. <laughs> I haven't driven in snow in years. Um, I didn't come dressed appropriately, but um, I'm here. And I'm glad to be here. Hailing from Arizona, we wish you would have brought some of the warm weather with you. It's kind of rude to keep it all to yourself. <laughs> so, um, John, I feel like this is a big deal that you're here. It's a big deal for me. And a big deal for us. So I want to ask the question, why are you here? Like, I know we're homies, right? And I know, like, Warrior Heart, if you don't know what that is and haven't been, we don't know how else we could say it to you. Warriorheart.com, you got to go. Okay, so I know the Warrior Heart, the Brotherhood, all of that, but why are you here? Well, I'll tell you the story. And we're going to probably mention Warrior Heart a few times. That's fine. Go ahead and tell us the story. Well, the truth is you were up on stage giving a presentation and explaining um, how people come up to you sometimes and say how much they like the show, it's so great, how much they get out of it, and then you sometimes will ask, hey, do you want to come on the show sometime, come on the podcast, and then the the response is a negative. 
And um, in that moment, I was sitting there in my chair. I'm like, I will never ask to be on this podcast, but I am willing. And um, so I made that commitment. I said I would be willing. And um, it was about 17 minutes later in the dinner line, uh, Chris, Chris Bennett said, uh, hey, you want to come on the podcast? So it happened about that fast. Um, and I've seen that happen in my life where I finally become willing to do something. And um, maybe God knows I'll change my mind and he needs to jump quick. <laughs> and, uh, and it happened that fast. And I said, okay. And um, I've benefited and uh, a lot of people sitting in this room and at Warrior Heart and, and in recovery circles have blessed my life. And I've um, just hopefully God can say something through me that might touch somebody else and give them a little bit of hope. That's why I'm here. Yeah. And um, tell us the the ultimate low point in your story when hope was at its ultimate lowest. Um, well, I mean, chemicals is a big part of my story. Um, and we can fast forward to that part of it. The, the low part of my story... Um, Sex addiction has been a uh, has been a part of my story for had been a part of my story for as long as I can remember, and then alcohol and and drugs became a big part of that. And um, my wife and children were out of town, and I just went on a run, and I had been up three or four days, and um, it was October ninth, two thousand eight. Um, called my wife at like five thirty in the morning. And um, she answered the phone, didn't say hello or anything else, and said, "Do I need to call the Do I need to call the paramedics?" And I said yes, and I hung up. And um, I'm grateful she picked up the phone. Um, I was taken to the emergency room, and um, and then on to to treatment. But at that point, it was I, I, that's just my story. I've never been one. I, I've I've never been suicidal. That's just, just, just hasn't been me. Um, obviously my behaviors didn't paint a picture that I cared much about my life. Um, but that would be, that would be the bottom for me. And, um, and I, I had been going to church this whole time, sitting in pews drunk, um, saying nobody else gets this. Um, and then, having multiple meetings with bishops or stake presidents and on and on and on until I got to treatment. And there was, uh, just coming to, and, uh, um, Crystal Matthews came in, gave a story. And for the, the first time I heard hope and mm. someone else that I, I knew had never met the guy. I knew he knew what I felt, the pain that I was in. Um, but at that point, I just, I, I had set the bar, uh, that's not the right term, but anyway, I didn't want to die. I wanted to have the chance to see my kids again, mm -hmm. and, um, and I was convinced my, my marriage was over. Um, so that's, I would say that's my, that's my bottom. So... How did you get there? Um, well, I'll go way back. Please um, do. So I, I was born into the, I know you guys explained the whole thing, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yep. Um, about five, six years old, um, I was being abused, um, being sexually abused, and, uh, and even in primary we're taught, hey, you're dealing with something. You can go to God with that. Ask for, yeah. ask for help. And um, so I did that, and I did it on on a daily basis. And um, and then as a, as a five six year old kid, what I saw was then my my father wasn't my abuser, but my father ended up getting cancer. And um, six months later, it was gone. At, this is at age six. Yeah. Actually, I was, I think I was, I was five, mm -hmm. but, um, so that was my perception of God that he answered that prayer 
because as a result of my father passing away, the the way my the the living situation and what was taking place that the abuse stopped. Um. So that was my my answer that God answered this prayer. Abuse stops, but my father was taken. Um. So did you come to kind of equate that if God was going to answer a prayer, you had to pay dearly for it? I would say I was very confused. Um, and I began just to not trust anybody. Yeah. And um, that I, I knew that what I was praying for had stopped. Um, but that I was kind of afraid to pray from that point on, if, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. something horrific happened to me. Um, as a result of that prayer being quote unquote answered. And um, so I, I became a very untrusting individual. Um, never got too close. Um, I didn't cry again until I served a mission. And I had people along the way that were very dear to me pass away, and there wasn't a tear shed. And um, I just became, I, I would not open myself up to, to anybody. Um, very secretive, became a very good liar. Um, I didn't get involved with, I didn't take my first drink till I was 28. Um, and, um, and I had a fantastic mom. I, I had a fantastic mom, but a mom that took me at five. I had a brother that was three, a brother that was a year and a half, never remarried, um, mm. and uh, did the best that she could, you know. But along with that, I see um, that there was just uh, a mom who I I knew loved me, but that's just not something we heard a whole lot. We just we grew up in a house that just did not talk about stuff like that. Um, and, um, anyway, I, I forgot where I was going with that, but that's, that was my, we were talking about how I get here. That's kind of how I started, um, with God. And, um, and the truth is I, I I got on out on a mission and that was probably some of the best years of my life. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had a great mission. I I went to Costa Rica and, um, Saw a bunch of people that had next to nothing and were some of the happiest people I've ever seen in my life. And, uh, and that just, just loved you for, for who you were. Um, you didn't have to do anything. Just, they, they just wanted to be around you and, and, um, getting out and serving people. And that was just all I had to do. It it was a fantastic experience. Yeah. Yeah. So when you get back from the mission, are you, um, like, I'm just good to go. High on life. Let's do this. Were you concerned at all about, cause like for me, I got back from my mission and I was like, I'm good. I mean, I remember talking to my last mission companion and I'm like, we're never going to do porn again. We're I'm done with this. Right. And also like I had no concept of addiction. Right. So I was just like this stuff that had happened in my life that I'm ashamed about all the sexual acting out, you know, I'm back from mission. Now I'm good. And so what was that like for you? Yeah, I think, I mean, I had had several things that I had to take care of before I went on my mission. And um, and I actually ended up going to BYU for a year, mm-hmm. which was a good place for me to be. It surrounded me by a lot of people that were, um, were good influences on me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I really thought I had put a lot of that stuff behind me, even though I had never addressed any of my childhood issues. Sure. Um, and I came back and, um, a a couple of years later, I, um, I, my, my wife's name's Gabby and I, I had met her through some friends and, and we had dated and known each other for maybe a year, year and a half. And, um, I just thought she was fantastic. I loved her. I loved her family. And the truth is what sealed the deal for me was I, I, we broke up and the moment we broke up, I'm like, I just have made the worst mistake I have ever made. Yeah. And, um, sure. And so, um, uh, it was a couple of days later. I'm one, I'm trying to get back together with, with her and she's like, well, the only way I'm doing this is if we're getting married. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm here. <laughs> and <laughs> that's awesome. And, um, 
And um, that was one of the best decisions I've ever made mm-hmm. with her. But just because that was one of the best decisions I had ever made, um, shortly after we're married, I'm, I'm, I'm acting out with... I'm much older than you are, Steve, and <laughs> porn came a long ways. <laughs> and um, sadly, but the, true, the internet had yeah. just really started to take off, and yeah. um, and I, I found that it wasn't a, a daily thing early on in in our marriage, and I just didn't have tons of access to it. But it, it was one of those things. Um, I know I, I've heard that talked about. I never had that feeling that I'm married. This has solved my problems. And, um, mm-hmm. I, I, that's just not my story. And, um, yeah. Did you, did she know kind of all the sides of you, all the parts of you? She, she had you known got some married? of my past. Yeah. And, um, that, that there, there, I had done some things that I had in her mind. And I think in my mind too, that I had taken care of mm-hmm. at, at that point to the best of my ability. And, um, so I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't holding anything back that I hadn't told her that I thought I was hiding. Um, so that was, that was something start that started there. And, um, and then we went on to, to graduate school and, um, that part of it continued to progress. And now we're adding two kids in the next four years. And, um, And and then we moved back. That was we were out in Florida. Then we moved back to Arizona. Um, and then I, I grew up. The truth is, this is an excuse. I just didn't grow up with a lot of money or a lot of things, mm-hmm. stuff. Sure. And um, and uh, so I started working. Finally, started making some money. Um, being able to buy all those things that I thought I, this was the stuff. This yeah. is it. And um, had the house I wanted, the car I wanted, the clothes I wanted. Um, was able to go do those things. And um, what I thought was buying, what I thought what life was all about, mm-hmm. and um, became self sufficient. Wherever my relationship was with God was, I felt myself starting to become. I'm not saying starting to become God, but I was providing my own happiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you just became less reliant on him. You there you like, go. That's exactly right. And more reliant on yourself. Yeah. And, um, and still I've never tr- touched any chemicals at this point. Starting going to the gym, I'd torn my Achilles tendon and uh, <laughs> playing the toughest sport in the world, Mormon church basketball. And... Um, and I had a doctor told me I was never going to... At re- least the most reckless. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the violent, toughest. Violent yeah. verbally and yes. I mean, they've even made yeah. movies about hell. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And um, so I had a, a doctor say I would never run again. And um, so I started training for a triathlon and, um, and started going to the gym um, every single day and um, ended up having a... I ended up having an affair with uh, a lady that I had met at, at the gym. Yeah. And um, so that was, and, and pornography had been off and on part of that since during those, this happened probably in the first three or four years that we had moved back to Arizona. And that carried on for, um, that carried on for a while. And uh, so when we talk about like, the acting out behavior. And this is just a curiosity for me because there's always a reason we choose like the drug of choice or the thing of choice. Right. So, um, I, I, like, I remember I've shared this before. I had a guy I was in recovery group with who, um, like was sleeping with a bunch of coworkers. And for me, my story is a bunch of prostitution. And so we're sitting there and he's like, can I ask you something without sounding way rude? I'm like, sure. And he's like, Dude, prostitutes, that's so sketchy. I'm like, dude, these people know you and your family. <laughs> so it's funny that he thought I was in such high-risk behavior, and I'm looking at him like, you're the one in high-risk behavior. And what I've realized is, you know, how we act out is really about our wounding and what we're seeking. And so, like, at that point in time, like, why an affair? Like, what, like, what was it about? Was it... Uh, this is what's keeping me in, in my marriage and managing all the pain. This is the fantasy I want to fulfill. Like, what was it about that Validation. for you? Um, I think we talk about a lot, taking our question to Eve. Um, it, explain that for someone who has not yet had the opportunity to me, boot camp and is still in denial that they should go. 
for for me, um, even though on the outside it looked like I had a good marriage, a good family, a good job, yeah. a good career, I still, for me, I still feel, felt like I wasn't enough. And I was taking that to another person to validate I'm still worth something. I'm still desirable. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, So much like with the money or whatever, you were like, maybe the money will fill that bucket for me. Maybe yeah. the money will prove to me that I'm enough. Yeah. If I'm self-sufficient enough, I'll prove to myself I'm enough. Yeah. And, um, and the truth is, it was just everything that I had been raised with and, and truly believed I was destroying right in front of my eyes and, um, putting that in front of, uh, in front of everything else. And, um, shortly thereafter, um, I started drinking, started hanging out in establishments I shouldn't be hanging out in, um, was introduced to drugs. And then my, my, uh, reckless behavior, <laughs> sketchy behavior, just, uh, it just exploded. And, um, and I just, uh, in a very short amount of time, um, it, it started out with, I would say more of a sex addiction. Then you add some chemicals in there, then the chemicals take over. Then I end up in the story we were just talking about where I end up yeah. in the emergency room. Yeah. yeah. So it was a fairly quick spiral after yeah. you started the affair, then the chemicals shortly came after, and then that spiral? About six years total <clears throat> yeah. okay. for, for my first drink. and From my first drink, I'm not drinking every day. Yeah, yeah, and sure, I, sure. It was here and there, and, um, that's, uh, and, and that's where I end up. And I end up in a treatment facility, which I thought was fantastic. And from, from there, I went to, to sober living. I'd like to tell you guys I stayed sober the rest of the way through, and that's not my story. Um, so, yeah, so tell us about that. So first off, where was the place you went that you loved? We're all about shout outs. It's uh, Chandler Valley Hope. Chandler Valley Hope in Chandler, Arizona. It's in uh, the not best part of town, but for me, it was perfect situation. Awesome. And um, that Crystal Meth user that that was in recovery that came and became my first sponsor. And um, oh, cool. he was kind of a blunt force trauma type of a guy of... <laughs> um, <laughs> And what I loved about... So uh, he and I could be friends. Yeah. <laughs> what I loved about him is he no longer told me, John, you need to do this more. You need to pray more. You need to read your scriptures more. He just said, John, I don't care. I don't care what you do. This is what I did and my life got better. And I could see his life was better than mine. Yeah. And um, that carried weight with me. And then it took, he took me to one of my first meetings at about nine days, and I saw a group of... Meaning a 12-step meeting? A 12-step meeting, yeah. yes. I, yeah. I love 12-step. I'm a 12-step guy. I'm a big book guy. I, I love everything about that. And um, and I saw 100 guys. I mean, half of them look like they just got out of cell block D, and they're they're scary-looking individuals. And But I saw them laughing. I saw them hugging. I was given a phone list afterwards and said, hey, you're going to start calling five guys a day. And, um, and for me, who doesn't communicate well with anybody at the time, um, that was hard for me. That's, um, that's a thousand pound telephone that I'm, I'm picking up every mm. single time and mm. not allowed to leave a voicemail. You can't send a text. You got to get someone on the phone. So you just keep calling. But my experience was, okay, John, I'm John. I was at the meeting. Um, I was told to call you and the response invariably was like, dude, it was so good to see you. How you doing? Is there anything I can do for you today? And it was probably the first time in my life where there was just a, a, a genuine love for another individual without needing anything in return. Yeah. How you doing? And, um, and so from that point on, I got, I got clicked up with that group and that became my home group. And they're, they're guys that I, I still love to this day. And um, a couple years into that, then I get um, I get uh, brought into the same stake president that uh, was part of my excommunication, mm-hmm. asking me to run an ARP meeting. And I don't mean to Which sound, is the LDS Church's 12-step meeting, just to yeah. connect the dots. And um, I'll backtrack. As far as the bishops and the stake presidents that I went to, there's nothing wrong with them, if that came across that way. I knew these mm. individuals no, loved me, sure. but I knew when I would tell them what I was going through, they had no idea what I was going through. Right. And um, so 
to to his credit, he brought he he brought me in. He's like, "Listen, John, I see you're doing a lot better. Um, I know the things that I was telling you weren't working. I see whatever you've been doing is working. Um, yeah. Would you be willing to to facilitate a a twelve step meeting for for our area?" And I said, "Sure." And um, we started. Um, we started with like five guys and within a couple of years we had close to a hundred and, um, and, and it was an amazing group of individuals. And then what I ended up seeing with that, um, it's amazing how I can push God out is, uh, it, it no longer became about God and recovery. It became about, Hey, this is John. He's created something fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's the golden child of 12 step in the church um, and it just became a very pride, prideful, egotistical type of a, a, a situation. And, um, so I, I'm, I'm praying less, I'm studying less, I'm doing less service. I'm sponsoring guys, but not very well. I have a child that's my oldest child, um, really starts to struggle with some sickness and I don't know how to help him. And, um, and I pick up again mm. and, um, this one doesn't last nearly as long, um, but um, so pick up again. Drugs, drug use, and alcohol, and um, and porn. Let's just say that's always involved. If I pick up porn's always involved. It wasn't acting out. That's just one and the same. I wasn't acting out with with anybody sure. else. Um, that just ends up me. As that progresses, it gets super dark, super quick. They talk about it being a progressive disease. That mm-hmm. was my that was my story. Yeah. It was no longer a little bit of fun. It wasn't like the first time I picked up the um, my experiences was artificially. This works. Yeah. I no longer feel shitty about myself. Um, it's taken my fears. It's taken my worries. It's taken my anxiety. It's taken my shame from me yeah. until it all comes flooding back. But in the moment, it worked. And but that was no longer. It went straight to. Um, I'm still in pain. Hmm. I know this is what's gonna what this is gonna do to me. I don't care. I can't handle it, and I'm out. Yeah. And um, so, um, fortunately enough, I had surrounded myself with enough people that cared more about my life than they cared about my feelings, hmm. and said, "This isn't happening." Um. Got myself back into a sober living facility. Um, the first time I stayed four months. Uh, this time I stayed four months, and um, and uh, each time I thought my marriage was over. So my wife is amazing. Um, she's just the toughest individual I know, and. Um, the most loyal person I know. And um, I would step into battle against anything with her. Um, anyway, so I come back and we try this thing all over again. And um, so I had a guy in a meeting shortly thereafter, after the relapse. And I must've been saying something about my marriage or family or whatever. And, he just said, dude, stop. He's like, why are you getting sober? He's like, you have no control over your wife. If she's going to leave, if she's going to stay, what's going to happen there? Why are you staying sober? And, um, and he's like, if this isn't for you, then you're done. And, um, and I didn't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't talk to him for a little while. But he's <laughs> one of my best friends today. <laughs> right. And um, right. so it's... Uh, and at that point, um, I had done a lot of damage with, with my family. Um, I had kids I couldn't baptize. I had kids I couldn't do other things. Sure. Um, as far as the church, I, I never stopped going to church. My my story is that I had lost a testimony that I had, you know, God isn't real, all that kind of stuff, which might have made it harder. It might have been easier to say, yeah, God's not real, and I can just justify my behavior way. No, I knew and um yeah I, I relate to that that was mm-hmm. my experience too i never 
I respect people that that's their walk, right? Like different strokes for different folks or whatever. But yeah, yeah I mean, for me, there's always a perfectionism or different, like I got my God stuff, but yeah, that for I me, mean, that wasn't even through all the ups and downs and relapses that yeah. I feel you on that. And, um, and it was, the truth is it was, uh, you know, in, in a lot of 12 step meetings, they pass out chips for various lengths of sobriety. Uh, that second stretch through, I had, uh, enough 24 hour chips. You could play poker with them. And it, I was like, I'm never, I, I'm never getting this thing again. And, um, but I just kept, I just kept showing up and, um, and, um, I'll just say this, God, God saw fit that I was, I just needed to be around. So again, guys picked me up and they loved me until I could love myself again and uh and that's what i've seen in um in my life is god shows up in the form of you guys so tell us what you mean well we can get into this um it'll be easier if i explain this then i can show how god i don't have like a word for god or something I, I have these words that just seem so inadequate to describe my relationship with God now or Christ. Sure. And um, uh, so I talked about a lot of the damage I had done with my family. Um, I had a son. I have a son. Um, when he was about uh, 15, he started getting into some, some drugs and, um, and he knew my story. And, uh, but I think when I went out the second time and uh, he's just like, you know, I'm done. You know, I've been trying this and I, I've been going to church and I've seen you and you're going to church and you're back out. And and um, I think mm-hmm. he lost some faith there. And uh, so, so he went out and um, just a great kid and um, big personality and... Uh, so we knew he was struggling, and um, we tried to do a, a lot of the things that that you do, whether it's drug testing or different rules or different things that your restrictions you're putting kids on to try to sure. control them. Sure. And um, he just got he do, does what we do, got better at hiding things, and uh, and we got him. I have my sponsor at the time was doing interventions. That was kind of his occupation, and he helped me get uh, my son's name's Jake. Get him up to Westridge Academy. It's actually down the road. Mm-hmm. And, um, he was there for four months and, and came home and, um, was trying to go back to school and finish high school. And, um, and then he started going to meetings with me and, um, at 17 years old, trying to get sober. And he got to meet some of my friends. He ended up getting his own fellowship and, um, and then COVID So hit. is that like cell block B for the underage guys? <laughs> Not as tatted. Yes. And, um, and he, uh, and he actually had, uh, at that point, I had switched jobs to work less, to be home more. Um, and I got, to, I got to spend a lot of time with my son. And it became no longer dad's just trying to rule my life, punish me, control me. Um, it became more of a brother-brother relationship than, a, I would say, a father-son. We were we were going together in this thing. And he, he understood, I think going through his pain, the pain that I had gone through Mm -hmm. and that wasn't my intention to burn everything to the ground. And, um, and he had, uh, and I had been invited to the warrior heart boot camp several times by Corey in AZ. Um, and I just didn't feel like I could go. I I didn't want to leave my wife alone to, to manage what was going on with our son and thought I needed to be there. And, um, and he had been clean like six months and, um, he was going to start working for a neighbor of mine and he, he came home and our, our, his relationship with me and his relationship with his mom changed entirely to, Hey, you guys want to come over for dinner? Um, Hey, you guys want to go to lunch? Um, dad, you want to go to a meeting? Um, and, um, August 1st, uh, 2020, I had gone out with my youngest son and um, 
and we had got it was it was August. It's hot. We had gotten home. I had gone golfing with my youngest son. I got a call from Jake's roommate. I'm Kelly, who never calls me. I'm like, hey, Kelly, what's going on? It's like, Jake's gone. And um, I'm like, well, where is he? He's like, no, he's dead. And um, and Jake had passed away from a fentanyl overdose. And um, so I hopped in my car and... Uh, race down to the house and it's taped off. They treat it like a, a homicide situation until they figure out everything and I can't go in, I can't see him. Um, and my next experience with him is just putting my hand on his head as he's in a body bag. And um, for a day, I was just like, God, you've, you've just taken the wrong person. You have taken the wrong person. And, um, and I was broken. I was just completely broken. And um, I called my two brothers. Um, I called the guy I worked with, and then I called my sponsor, and um, and I've never been one. To, I hate asking for help, and I was so broken. I was beyond help, and people just showed up. Not, hey, what do you need? What can we do for you? They just did it, and um, so it's um, if you could have picked out anything of, hey, hey, what do you think would be the hardest thing that you could ever stay sober through? By far, that's it. And, um, and that was, uh, I had had six years sober at that time. My sobriety dates, July 2nd, 2014. And, um, for me, that is nothing short of a miracle. And, um, I always feel like I live on borrowed time. And um, so God starts stepping into my life. Corey, again, says, hey, man, boot camp's coming up. So that excuse that I had of needing to be home for my son was taken, and I end up at boot camp. And, um, yeah, it, anybody listening right now, I have been to thousands of 12-step meetings, church meetings, retreats, therapy. This was the most powerful thing I have ever been to in my life. And um, and I had had some, between there and boot camp, I had had some good experiences surrounding my son. I really felt that he was okay. He was where he needed to be, and he was with God. And, um, and there were some things I had taken up to boot camp wanting to work on, and, um, and I'd had a fantastic experience. And um, so they, they do these uh, prayer circles at boot camp, and um, I did not want to be a part of one of those. And uh, uh, I, I don't know why I just was avoiding it. There's a little section up there where there's, you can go down this hill and sit in these little church pews during the vows of silence, and um, the last day, I see Corey walking over the hill, and he's like, hey, man, this is happening. I'm like, okay. And um, a couple minutes later, Chris and Theron and Corey and CT show up, and they started praying on me. And um, Chris started off, and then Theron went, and then Corey went, and then CT, I believe he just started off by saying, Dad. And then there was a long, awkward pause. It may be 15, 20 seconds, which if you're sitting in a prayer circle, that seems like a Forever. long time. Forever, yes. And um, the next words out of CT's mouth were, uh, John, you need to know it's not your fault. And I broke. I didn't know that was the question that I needed to answer up there. But that's how God showed up. 
I had not talked a single word to CT since I'd been up there. I'd been a part of that prayer circle. And, um, meaning he didn't have an active knowledge about what had happened no. with your son. Yeah. No. And, um, and that's just one example, you know, and, um, I know we're running short on time, but I would go up to boot, boot camp again. And this time I know it's like, I don't really feel like I'm a child of God. I don't know that you love me. I don't know that you see me. And, um, Theron asked me to be a part of an exercise where he said, I just had to stand there, which was a lie. And, um, and, and P.S. Theron is sitting behind him by Theron about five feet, just smiling right now. And, and Theron gets up there and he's already shared on the podcast. So I don't feel like I'm ter- telling a story or something that's not already known. And um, I was supposed to stand in place a- as if I was the savior looking at Theron and he's walking through a traumatic event in his life, which was a lot of abuse that took place when he was about five years old. And then I'm supposed to respond and he goes through this, his this exercise. And then uh, James and Doug are walking me through this. John, John, you can tell Theron, you know what it's like to be abused when you're five years old. They didn't know I was abused when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. I'm just supposed to be playing this role. Yeah. Um, Theron, you're strong enough to be, to get through this. Theron, I am right by your side. Theron, I love you. Theron, I'm going to, pull you through whatever you need. I have all the strength that you need and my love is not going anywhere. And I could have gone on and on. I think Doug stopped me. I mean, I was rolling. I could have done that. It was so easy for me to tell that to Theron. So I go sit down and then it was, it was just like all the other audio in the room shut down. And all I heard was as easy as it is for you to tell Theron, you love him. That's how easy it is for me to love you. And, um, so that's how God steps in. When I say he, he shows up in the form of you, um, that's how, those are just a couple of examples of how he shows up. And um, for me, a lot of times I have to quiet the noise. I have to get all this other stuff that, for sure. that um, it's kind of like hurting cats inside my brain. Sometimes I got to get that out so God can actually speak. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, in, in those two boot camps, and that's that's flourished into a, a brotherhood of of people that um, that I love today, and I know love me. That I can call at any moment, and um, I'll show up for them. They'll show up for me. And uh, so now, knowing now that you've got all the context. And knowing that there are people that need to hear this from you, like as we're wrapping the episode here, just speaking as you, no other context is needed. Who is God, John? I view it like this. Um, I like the idea that we're in a battle and God is the ultimate warrior. And... um that he will step into any battle I face. He will put himself in harm's way. He will make up where I can't, where I just can't do it anymore. And, um, and my experiences that he has. And, um, for me, for, if there's some guys listening for me, what happened, um, this isn't my song, but big daddy weave has a song called redeemed. And part of that song is that I needed to stop fighting a fight that had already been won. And I had done that for so long that I had to put in the work, that I had to win the fight all by myself to be of worth. And um, until I surrendered that thought, that I, I just wasn't able to heal the way that I needed to heal. And um, since that wasn't your song, what is your song? I know this has been shared already, but... Um, I'm a big fan of Scars these days, and uh, Scars by I Am They, it's, uh, you know, it's, it talks about darkest waters and deepest pain, I wouldn't trade them for anything, and um, and it also says that these wounds are my wounds, or uh, is a story that he'll use, and I've found that to be true. Um, 
I was talking with an individual the other day about, you know, all the stuff I've been through and if I would do anything different thing, if you could change something. And he said, well, besides your son, son passing away, we, yeah, I'm like, I would not trade any of it. And that includes my son passing away. I would not rob him of the experience he's having now by losing his son. I remember being angry about that. Hey, God, you don't understand. And, him, you know, he stops me real quick. He's like, oh, you don't think I know what it's like to lose a son? Mm-hmm. It's allowed me to know God better. And, and Christ has stepped in in a big way to heal that. And I've seen my scars, my story, be the most useful tools for me in the lives of other people, as opposed to if I had just done everything right and just tried to show up and help people. Sure. So that's uh, that's my song. Yeah. And so to that guy, to use the song, right, in the depths and the pain who is not yet in a place to surrender, to say it the way you said it, what would you tell him? I would tell that guy he's enough just like he is. He's worthy of love right now. Doesn't need to do another thing, and he's loved. And um, and I, I would invite that individual to become a part of the brotherhood that I know. And... um. That's as easy as reaching out to me. That's as easy as signing up to get to a boot camp and be a part of, of the change. If you want your heart changed forever, show it to boot camp. Which you can now do in Arizona. Yes, you can. Just shout out to Arizona boys. So um, with that invitation from John, um, we invite you to continue to join us in our movement, being unashamed and afraid, and join us for the bonus content with John, where we're going to dive into the parts of the episode that we didn't get to expand, other questions that the team had here sitting around. And how you do that is by going to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate. Um, and donating, we are a 501c3 nonprofit, and all of that money goes to scholarships for such things like boot camp. So if you need um, help getting to a boot camp, please reach out to us and other scholarships as well. Go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships. Please give us five stars on iTunes. That's how the world finds us, and this message of hope gets out. If you need anything from us, uh, want to get in touch with John, any of the things, we invite you just to email any of us, first names at unashamedunafraid.com. Um, follow us on social media. Join us there. We'd love to um, communicate with you there at unashamed and afraid and you are enough and your story matters and so with that we'll leave you with one of john's with john's song and one of my favorites scars by i am they Darkest water and deepest pain I wouldn't trade it for anything Cause my brokenness brought me to you And these wounds are a story you'll use So I'm thankful for
without them I wouldn't know your heart And with my life I'll tell of who you are So forever 